0: Good evening, Bloomfield Baptist Church. It is great to be with you again. Though we can't be together, we can use the blessings of technology to join again together this evening uh, for a special Good Friday service to consider what happened uh, so many years ago on a Friday, the day that Jesus Christ was crucified. So this evening we're going to consider that, we're going to look at the cross, we're going to spend some time in worship, and we pray that it's a time that will be edifying to you, it will be encouraging to you, and it may even be challenging to you. So why don't you join in uh, praying with me as we begin to look at God's word together and consider the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this evening where, even though we're all separated, we can, through the power of your Spirit, join together in worshiping you. And we're thankful that you give us this opportunity through your Word to get a glimpse into events that happened so long ago, to know what the true meaning of the cross is, uh, why you would allow such a thing to happen to your Son and what the importance is for our lives today. We pray, Lord, that you would bless this time, that you would help me to uh, speak your word clearly and help all of us to hear it with humble, receptive ears. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We uh, encourage you to open your Bible with us because we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture this evening, So, we hope you have your Bible, and if you will open it up to Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 15, we're going to be looking first at verses 42 through 47. Again, that's Mark chapter 15, verses 42 through 47. God's Word says this, And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a a linen shroud... And taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled the stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. We read here in the 15th chapter of Mark's gospel that it was a Friday when Jesus was crucified and buried. It was about this time of day in the evening when Joseph of Arimathea came to retrieve the body of Jesus. He wrapped the body of Jesus in a linen shroud and placed him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And then Joseph rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. It's probably a very familiar story to you because we talk about it quite often. And it is this crucifixion and burial of Jesus that is commemorated today on Good Friday. But you might be wondering, why do we call this day good? We're remembering such a tragic, bloody day. Why would we call it good? Well, to understand that, you really have to go all the way back to creation. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, uh, we see the creation of the world with Adam and Eve, Uh, We see God created everything and declared it very good. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden and enjoyed perfect fellowship with him. Then we see in Genesis chapter 3, the snake enters the garden. This serpent, who is the devil or Satan, tempts Adam and Eve. He's tempting them to distrust God by disobeying his commands. After they sinned, God gives a consequence and a promise. First comes the consequence. God tells them, you will die. The consequence of your sin, of not listening to God, is death. Death would not be immediate, but it would be certain. But second, God gives them a promise. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we see the promise of an offspring, an offspring of Eve who would crush the head of the snake. He will defeat sin and death forever. So all of this story that begins in the first chapters of Genesis, we see culminating in the cross. God's plan is finally coming to fruition. God keeps his promises that he gave all the way back in the garden. But again, why do we call this day good? We call it good because the cross reminds us that God keeps his word. He kept his promises given all those years ago in the garden and will keep all of his promises he has given to us in his word. In times like these where so much is uncertain, we do not know what tomorrow will look like, let alone what next week will look like. Isn't it a wonderful truth that you can rely on the God who keeps his promises? We also call it good because when we suffer, we are reminded of Christ's suffering. Christ's suffering reminds us that God has a purpose and a plan for suffering. Again, this should be especially comforting in our day. Some of us are suffering in very real, very painful ways today. Many of you know some of the suffering that those in our church body, our brothers and sisters, are going through this very week. Yet the cross reminds us that this suffering is not pointless. God himself knows suffering firsthand and has a plan for it. Christ's suffering also reminds us that our ultimate enemy has been defeated, just as he promised in the garden. Satan and death have been defeated through the cross. Christ's suffering also reminds us that the final word is not a bloody cross. The final word is not suffering. It is an empty tomb. So why do we call this day good? We call it good because Sunday is coming. Let's worship.
1: All oh, I say.
0: Next, if you would, we will turn to the Old Testament, to Isaiah chapter 53. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 53. We're actually going to look at the whole chapter, so please read along with me if you're able. Isaiah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. God's word says this, Who has believed what he has heard from us? He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Note that we learn more about what Christ did on the cross from Isaiah than we do from all of the gospel writers combined. Isaiah gives us a magnificent glimpse into what exactly Jesus was doing On that cross. He was suffering not for his own sins. No, he was sinless. He suffered that he might make many to be accounted righteous. Yet he had to pay a high price. Grace comes to us freely who believe in Christ, but it costs Jesus everything. Hear what the gospel writers say. Matthew says in his gospel, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Mark says, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Luke says, Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. John says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Brothers and sisters, this was uh, no minor thing that Jesus did for us on the cross. No, this was one of the most painful, gruesome ways known to all history to die. Indeed, Roman poet uh, Cicero said this of crucifixion. He said, quote, It is the most cruel and most hideous of tortures. The very name cross should not only be far from the body of a Roman citizen, but also from his thoughts, his eyes, and his ears. So to why do we call Good Friday good when we're talking about such a bloody, terrible execution of an innocent man? Why do we call it good? Because the cross of Christ has made a way for us to be reconciled with God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins. Again, this is what we celebrate on Good Friday. The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Again, this is what we're celebrating this evening, that Christ, the righteous one, brings us, the unrighteous, to God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, for through him, that is Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Brothers and sisters, now because of Christ, whether you are Jew or Gentile, whatever your racial background, your socioeconomic class, it does not matter in one spirit we have access to the Father. Paul tells us again in Romans chapter 5 verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It is through this cross, this bloody cross, that we have been reconciled to God. We who, are, who were once far off have been brought near into the family of God. John Piper says this, this is the center of the gospel. This is what the garden of Gethsemane and Good Friday are all about. That God has done astonishing and costly things to draw us near. He has sent his son to suffer and die, so that through him we might draw near. It's all so that we might draw near. And all of this is for our joy and for his glory. He does this, he does not need us. If we stay away, he is not impoverished. He does not need us in order to be happy in the fellowship of the Trinity, but he magnifies his mercy by giving us free access through his son, in spite of our sin, to the one reality that can satisfy us completely and forever, namely himself. Have you experienced this reality Have you trusted in Christ, in Christ alone? Have you been brought back into fellowship with God through faith in Christ? Consider whether you have experienced this power of the cross, and indeed it is power to save sinners, this old rugged cross as we continue to sing.
1: Stop. speak.
0: What a love, what a cost. That is what we're considering tonight as we look at the cross is the cost that Jesus paid for you. For you who have sinned every waking moment of your life. Just like me and just like every other person on earth, we constantly live in rebellion to God, constantly falling short of his perfect glory. Yet he would love us so much that he would send his son to die such a costly death so that we might be reconciled to him. What a love, what a cost. As we continue to consider the cross, turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, we're going to look at another account of the cross. Matthew chapter 27 We'll first look just at verses 41 to 42. Matthew chapter 27, verses 41 to 42. God's word says this. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders, even the thieves being crucified next to him mocked Jesus on the cross. They said, he saved others, he cannot save himself. You might be wondering, what do we we mean when we say save? Do we mean saving for retirement? That's how the world typically uses the word, but that's not what we mean know what Matthew means when he uses this word, we should look all the way back in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21, the angel says this about Jesus. She will bear a son. This is talking about Mary. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It means to save from eternal death and punishment from the just wrath of God that is upon us because of our sin. We are people who need rescuing. We are not generally good people who God is somehow obliged to welcome into his kingdom. That God is somehow obligated to show us his grace because we're such great people. No, we are traitors who have rebelled against our King. And we all know the penalty for treason, and that is death. It's no different with our sin, just as we saw all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Yet Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. He was the one who came to save. He was the promised child from all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Luke, in his gospel, in chapter 19, verse 10, says this of, or excuse me, Jesus says this of himself. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. He came to save lost people like us. Can't you see how Good Friday is indeed good Friday? Because if Jesus had saved himself, as they said when they were mocking him, we would all stay lost in our sins. Because it is ultimately by not saving himself that we are saved. It was ultimately by dying on that cross that Friday so many years ago that we can have life today. Let's continue reading in Matthew chapter 27 We'll look at verses 43 to 51. Continuing, God's word says, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabactani. that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders continued to mock Jesus. They said, he trusts in God, let God deliver him now. Then Jesus cries out in despair, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For some, maybe some of you listening who are not uh, familiar with this account, this might be surprising. It might appear that it's validating the mockery of the crowd. It appears maybe that Jesus is no longer trusting in God on the cross, that in some way God had failed him, had truly forsaken him, just as his enemies had claimed. But that could not be further from the truth. What Jesus is saying there actually comes from somewhere else in the Bible. It comes from Psalm 22. So I'd like to turn there together, if you would, to Psalm 22. We're going to read the the whole Psalm together because it's very important that you understand where these words came from. Let's read Psalm 22 together. The Psalm says this, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who cannot keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. We could talk much of the amazing fulfilled prophecy in this psalm. That's another sermon for another day. I want you to note in this psalm that the cry that we see in the beginning, that cry out to God, 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 why have you forsaken me? That cry turns into a song of praise. Can't you see that in the cross? That that cry on the cross turns into a song of praise, a song of all nations coming to worship before their God and King. That can only happen through the cross. Again, we ask, why is Good Friday good? It's good because Sunday is coming. Before we pray and continue to sing, uh, I want you to consider something. If you have not fully put your trust in this Jesus who died on the cross in the place of all who would trust in him, why don't you do that this evening? Put your trust in this one who can bring you back to God. If you are already trusting in him, let's take a moment to thank God again for your salvation. It comes to you freely. It comes to you freely when you trust in Christ. You do not earn it through your good works, but that free grace, was not free for Christ. He paid the greatest price that anyone could pay to purchase your spirit. What a wonderful truth that is. Let's pray and we'll continue to worship in one last song. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son to pay that costly price, the most costly price that he would suffer and die in the place of wicked sinners like us, people who deserve nothing but your wrath. And I want to pray, Lord, for every believer who is watching this video this evening that uh, you would help them to recognize the price that Christ paid on the cross and be drawn to greater worship, to follow him with greater zeal, to proclaim the gospel of this one who died for them to the ends of the earth. I pray, Lord, for everyone who has not yet trusted in Christ who is watching this video, Lord, that you would move in their hearts. Help them to see that the only reliable thing that they have in this life is Christ. When everything else is falling away, when everything else shows itself to be a faulty foundation, Christ remains supreme. Help them to see that, Lord. Help them to see the price that was paid so that they might be reconciled to you. We pray, Lord, as we worship you once again in this last song, Lord, that you would ignite our hearts with a new joy, that we might worship you uh, with a greater zeal, knowing the, just the costly price that was paid so that we might worship you in holiness. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, church family, we want to close this evening by saying, singing uh, what is probably my favorite hymn, uh, one of my favorite hymns at least Hallelujah, what a Savior. And uh, in this hymn, in the verses, uh, each verse of, or each stanza of this hymn, you have exactly what Madison just talked about that suffering gives way to praise. Uh, and so I want us to look especially at, at verse two. Uh, It says, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's sing together. we do thank you that you sent your son to live a perfect life for us that we could never live that he died on that cross to save us from our sin and father we thank you that that's not the end of the story that he did indeed raise again from the dead defeating sin and defeating death and so father i pray uh, as we celebrate this good friday and as we await that easter sunday morning Lord, that we would remember the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross for us. Lord, that we would trust in you and in you alone to save us from our sins. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our resurrected Lord. Amen. Amen.